0: Welcome back to another week of the Cedarville Stories Podcast. I'm Mark Weinstein, your host for the podcast, and today, well, in fact, this month's podcasts are going to sound just a little bit different. Let me explain. For the past 12 months, the podcast team of Sarah Gump, Clem Boyd, and Chris Massa have been working diligently to provide quality stories that we hope are encouraging to you. But now, as we are in the month of September we are taking a step back to evaluate the first year of programs because we want to learn from our previous work and see how we can improve the podcast. The first year has been exceptional. We've had more than 8,000 downloads from listeners all over the world. We're thrilled and thankful that you enjoyed the podcast. So what does this all mean? For the next five episodes, we are creating a new segment that we're calling a September to remember. We are taking five of our most popular podcasts from 2020 and focusing on one specific element of the person's story, which primarily will be their faith journey. Then in October, we will return to our normal 30-minute podcast format with a slate of new guests and stories. So we hope this new Minnesota Cedarville Stories podcast format will provide you with a September to remember. Thanks for listening. Mike DeCurcie was introduced to alcohol at age 12, and by the time he was in high school, it was a dominant feature of his life. Drinking and drugs became the norm through his teen years, during college, at the University of Michigan, and afterwards as he began his career as a music teacher. But after a near fatal accident, which was a result of his alcohol consumption, he realized that he had a drinking problem. Mike had his last drink of alcohol in 1974, and soon thereafter, he met Jesus, and his life has never been the same. Listen to this week's September to Remember, Cedarville Stories Minnesota as Mike shares with me how Jesus brought him to faith in Jesus. I'm always eager and uh, honored
1: to be able to share testimony and tell how. God worked in my life. It's a bit on the dramatic side, and I'm going to give you more of an abbreviated version because we don't have a couple of hours to go in every detail. But my life verse is found in the Bible, of course, 2 Corinthians 5:17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And I experienced that transformation. By the way, everyone who trusts in Christ, whether they're young, old, dramatic, not dramatic, is a walking miracle and has a life message to share. So remember that those who listen, you can share your life story and it will have an impact, that is for sure. I was born and raised in a town called Ossining, New York, famous for Sing Sing Prison, the electric chair up the river and the original big house called the (laughs) prison there, Sing Sing. And I was born and raised in a Roman Catholic, Irish-Italian family. And that might explain a lot about my upbringing. My family was hardworking. They loved me. I wasn't abused or anything like that. But we were, I would say, non-religious. Non- we didn't have any relationship uh, with Christ. And we were more cultural Catholics than devout Catholics. Said my grandfather, who was a very devout Catholic and never missed a church service at St. Augustine's Church up the hill there in Austin, New York. When I was 16 years old, uh, my dad suddenly died of a heart attack Mm. at our home. Uh, I witnessed it, and uh, it was a very traumatic thing, to say the least. Impacted my life very much. I realized very early that um, life was like a vapor, it says the Bible, it's here, and gone. I did well in high school, uh, but I began drinking when I was 12 years old because I came from a drinking culture and Didn't see anything wrong with it. By the time I was in high school, I was drinking quite a bit. And of course the lifestyle that went along with that and the bad habits that went along with that were my portion. I joined a little dance band and I hung out with older guys and their habits, which were bad and wretched, became my habits, which were bad and wretched. Mm. Believe it or not, I went to a place called Ann Arbor, Michigan and studied music there at the University of Michigan and got a degree miraculously played in the marching band, the jazz band, had a good education, but as an organist would say, all the stops were taken out and I became a daily drinker. I experimented with drugs, uh, marijuana especially, got into all kinds of uh, trouble that I lied my way out of and uh, I was not very proud of that as I look back on it, but nonetheless, that's what I was in those days. I left Michigan with a degree in hand, went back to New York, Taught school for two years in Lakeland, became a bartender and a bouncer. I was making a lot of money, also playing my horn, and probably hundreds and hundreds of dollars a week and frivolously spent it and lived a riotous, hedonistic life. Mm. Not too long after I had been in New York, in the second year of my return to New York, I was in a van accident. I was driving a van and it went off the road because I was actually passed out behind the wheel. I drank 25 gin and tonics that night. Mm. knocked down three or four guardrails and stopped from going down a cliff. And I came out of that without a scratch, although the van was totaled. And I realized for the first time in my life that perhaps I was not a social drinker, but a problem drinker. And I started a campaign called You Are Your Own Best Friend. You are your own friend. And you can pick yourself up by the bootstraps. Unfortunately, I didn't realize that Jesus was the friend that sticks closer than the brother. And what Jeremiah said about the heart is deceitful and wicked who can know it. Uh, so God was in, I believe, in my life way back then, leading me to himself. Yeah. And I was uh, offered a job in Plymouth, Michigan. And I thought a geographic cure would be good for me. I took that job. I ended up teaching there six years. And in those six years, I met a wonderful gal who's now my wife of 45 years. Joanne Skiba was her name. And uh, she came to bring me groceries when I was uh, convalescing from a bad case of uh, pneumonia because I had actually burned the candle at both ends again, lived a riotous life again. There, well, she wasn't too impressed with me. I understood. I don't know why. I had two television sets on. One just the picture worked. One just the sound worked. I hadn't shaved in a couple of days, and most Italians <laughs> can grow a mustache in a half an hour, so I'm pretty <laughs> scruffy. And I had been eating Hall's Menthol like they were potato chips, and uh, probably smelled like an Egyptian florist shop with all that eucalyptus and. She wasn't very impressed, but I heard about her non-impressive attitude and I pursued and miraculously, she agreed to go out on a date. And on our first date, she leaned across the table and said, what do you think happens to someone when they die? I'd never thought of that before. Mm. Kind of bothered me a little bit. I think I spilled coffee on my lap because, uh, you know, who thinks about that stuff? You know, if you want to have some sanctified fun, go to your neighbor, knock on the door and say, hey, John, come on over tonight. We'll have some Pepsi-Cola and some potato chips, and we'll talk about death and dying. <laughs> right. That doesn't happen. Nobody wants to deal with that. And uh, nope. I was confronted with it. We'll make a very long story short. We fell in love. The chemistry was great, still is. And we got married back in New York. And uh, I drank myself uh, and had a great time dancing and playing music and everything else. The day after we were married, we went on our honeymoon to Adirondack Mountains, a place called Canada Lake. To see an old friend of mine who was giving us a cabin to stay in. And I offered him a cold beer and he said, Oh, I don't drink anymore. I'm an alcoholic. And that very much upset me. It's like, mm. You're an alcoholic. What does that make me? And I kind of bugged him a little bit and he gave me a pamphlet 10 questions put out by Alcoholics Anonymous. If you answer yes to three of these, you most likely have a problem. You ever drink in the morning and get rid of a headache? You ever forget what you did the night before? Things like that. And I answered all 10 yes. Wow. So I realized for the first time in my life that I was really a problem drinker, yep. going down the wrong road. And here I had a new marriage, and I I wanted to get a start on the right foot. And that was 1974, and that was the last drink I had, June 23rd, 1974. Mm. And he recommended strongly because alcohol was such a big part of my life that I go to Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, yeah. I went there expecting to find uh, Bowery bums hanging on the wall, and it was really, a um, slice of uh, society. I mean, people from all walks of life and I found that it really helped me stay sober. And then eventually it led to a quest for spiritual truth. And I discovered that, um, there was a book put out by a fellow named Dave Boyer. Someone mm-hmm. told me about this. It was called yep. so long, Joey, life story of Dave Boyer swing singer, kind of mm-hmm. like Frank Sinatra, Christian version.
0: Yep. And,
1: right. Uh, I ordered that book and, um, uh, the day we went to pick up the book, there was a sign downtown Plymouth in the in the window there that said, tonight in concert, Dave Boyer, Ann Arbor Pioneer High School, Youth for Christ. And man, we went there, sat in the front row, and I was kind of like old stone face sitting there not yeah. knowing what I was getting into. And he came out and sang, get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king and he's staring at me. I think, why is that guy looking at me like that? <laughs> he got to the end of his song and he said, get a long mic cord here and I'll just see how some of you who don't look very excited at all, stand for the Lord. And I said, oh my goodness, I'm at a holy roller convention. I'm going to be interviewed. Did he interview you? No, he did not. He backed off and I can't remember what his next song was, but I was with him on every beat just to keep him away. Yep. Yeah. But he presented that night the claims of Christ, uh, Jesus Christ. And I'd never viewed a Christ that way. He was a historical figure, a statue, a martyr, perhaps, a good teacher. But the Savior? Wow. Well, at any rate, um, I came under conviction. Sad, mad, glad. I was all, all the emotions I was experiencing. Not long after that concert, my wife ran into a lady at a, um, a local library we were invited to go to a family life seminar at a Baptist church in Plymouth, Michigan. I reluctantly agreed to go because I thought they made a reservation for us. And it was at that uh, particular seminar that, uh, by the way, I, I never owned a copy of the Bible. And I was extraordinarily impressed with how fast they could find these different books. Uh-huh. By the time I found a the book, uh, they were four or five ahead of me. <laughs> right. And the only book I could really understand was the, uh, the Italian book, Malachi. But uh, you'll get that later. (laughs) At any rate, I was very impressed with the pastor. We began going to that church, sitting in the back row this time, and he always would say, I'm available if you'd like to talk. We made an appointment, and in his study, he sealed the deal for us, and we prayed the sinner's prayer and Mm. became Christians uh, that day, and it was just a wonderful experience. I haven't been floating on a cloud ever since. I mean, it's a challenge coming from an Irish, Italian, Roman Catholic home to be right. a Christian. And people don't understand that. They think you're in a cult or something. And uh, All right. my life changed dramatically. But it's been a great life. And I hope I never get over the fact that I'm saved.
0: Mike, thanks for thanks for sharing. I never get tired of hearing your testimony. I, I've heard it before. And it's, it's as meaningful today as it was when you first shared it with me.
1: Thank you for listening to Cedarville Stories podcast, brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by this conversation, like I was, please share this episode with a friend. If you know of an awesome Cedarville story, share it with us. We would love to showcase how God is at work in the Cedarville family. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.